coming soon to a theater near you. It's The Equalizers, a weekly podcast where two idiots drop a cinema sibling in the lap of a perfectly content solo film. My name is Mike Knoll, and I am joined, as always, by the sequel to my prequel, Madison Jones. Madison Jones, let's roll initiative. Um, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, yeah. Foley work. Foley work. Foley work. Grabbing the bag. Doing the thing. Thing. And got a one. Here, let's see. Let's see if this picks up. Just threw a bunch of dice on my desk. Now they're all over the floor. <laughs> as far as structured bits go, this has been not one of them. Pretty good. I'm just gonna step on one later and yeah. trip. Be like uh, in Home Alone, where they step on all those RC cars and or broken ornaments. Why would you bring up Home Alone? Now everyone's gonna think I'm doing. We're doing Home Alone because we've never referenced a movie in an episode in which we're not doing that movie before. <laughs> So uh, this week we're doing a little film called Mazes and Monsters. You probably haven't heard of it. And that's not just us being hipster. You really probably haven't heard of it. We had a plan starting into this week and then we shuffled things around and we needed just a quick thing of like decide right now what we're going to do this week. And I had that afternoon seen a post on Reddit about this movie and how it was an anti-D&D propaganda film made in the 80s and it stars tom hanks in his first leading role like he'd been in stuff before this doesn't even show up on his imdb page really this movie yeah it doesn't i checked but he's in like taxi and stuff like that as like you know bit player characters here and there whatever this is his first leading role wow what was like some of his early work like splash the one the mermaid bosom buddies is him as well i think bosom buddies him and peter scolari Hey, we got we got baby Hanks in here. Yeah, uh, baby Hanky Panky. Baby Hanky, <laughs> the uh, little Hankster. Little Hankster. That's it. <laughs> so, uh, Madison, what did you think of this movie? It's hard for me to say that it's bad, mainly because it's hard for me to imagine a reality where they ever thought this was good. Like this is what they like went out for. I wasn't sure if they were actually trying to be like Dungeons and Dragons is bad or if it's a a movie that like plays with the concept of oh hey this ridiculous thing is happening because it's uh actually this is based off a novel of the same name and it was written to cover the James Dallas Egbert the third case who was a student at Michigan State University who disappeared from his dorm in August of 1979 and it was reported that it was due to his participation in the fantasy role-playing game Dungeons and Dragons. And basically the press and everybody just was like, yep, that's it. They seized on it. And it became this like mania. And this lady wrote this book in like days because she was worried everyone else was doing the same thing. Oh, so she like got the jump on it. You know what? I'm going to be the one who writes the book about this. Exactly. Her her purpose was, this. Was, I, I say that this is intended as an anti-D&D propaganda kind of not propaganda so much as this i i interpret this as intently anti dnd because it's based off this novel that was based Got off it. this fake red scare type yeah i think i just have those glasses of like this movie because of time it's so bad it's kind of good you know see i didn't like, think it skewed far enough to be so bad it's so? good 
I mean, no spoilers, but when Tom Hanks does shank a man in New York City, I started to kind of turn around on it. But Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It seems like the premise itself seems too ridiculous with age, but I think there were probably like a lot of these type of like PSAs around back then. And this was actually uh, a TV movie. I mean, it's classified on like IMDb as a TV movie. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's two hours. It's an hour and 40 minutes. So yeah. it's a long TV. It's like a feature length movie, but it aired on television. Yeah, it was kind of like, um, I'm going to forget the name of it. Let me look it up real fast. Kids becoming Nazis. The Wave. The Wave. You're right. If you had, Thank you. Yeah, you're fine. As soon as you said, like, kids become Nazis. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, The Wave, uh, where a bunch of school kids become Nazis because of their teacher's creation of this special club. And he made the club to show how easy it is for the people in Germany mm-hmm. to become Nazis after this indoctrination yeah. of being like, oh, we're better. We're everyone that's in this special thing is better. Anyway. Well, Madison, this is kind of a split decision, it seems like. You liked it and I didn't. I'm sure the internet had opinions. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the internet kind of sided with you on this one, believe it or not. Most people on Rotten Tomatoes hated this movie. A lot of them were like very unaware of like how time works or how like actors careers work and they're like man why tom do this one come on tom come on tom what were you thinking trevor l whose review on ron tomatoes says the music was very inappropriate (laughs) also i am titanius engelsmith fancy man of cornwood okay and review that's a uh, Futurama reference. Is it? Yeah, uh, to Bender's Game. That's a D and D themed movie where he plays Titanius Angle. I thought it was Angle Bottom, but yeah, man, I didn't pick up on that at all. Good on you, Reference King over here. Your Majesty. Heavy is the head that wears the crown, Madison. Yeah, because yeah. it's so full of references. Yeah. <laughs> Here's another one, which whose name is like omitted, basically, mm-hmm. and it says. Oh my god, this is so awful. JJ, why am I here? <laughs> Nothing changed for Tom Hanks? Proof? Wilson! That is all. <laughs> that's, uh... We'll get to the review, or the synopsis later. But that's yeah. where he's at the top of the Twin Towers, right? Yes, it is. Okay. Wilson! And here's my favorite review, which is in the vein of some of our previous reviews. Of all right. just people's logic and why they use these platforms to review movies. Okay. Nathan B. says, I would have rated it higher if the dang thing didn't start skipping in the middle of it. (laughs) What? (laughs) Which I think he means, I think Nathan B. is getting at that he had a DVD copy of this and it kept skipping in the middle of it. And he seemed to think that, like, because of that, it was a worse movie. I will say in, in Nathan B.'s defense, there are some, like very strange sudden and unexplained time jumps oh yeah it's suddenly like something happens and then in the next scene two people will be talking and it's like oh that was three weeks ago oh okay thanks like no one no one said like you just have to like imply that the time jumps have been happening at the same time there are also very lengthy scenes where people are just walking around going from one point a to point oh yeah, yeah that last about like seven minutes 
before they get to from A to B. And it's where when they're at the World Trade Center at the end, Mm -hmm. them going up to the top of the World Trade Center, they were just like walking up escalators and through doors and down hallways. And it's like this is a lot of movie time that could have been like skipped. I was talking to a friend about this movie the other day, and we were talking about how they pack so much exposition into the beginning of this movie and the one thing that i love the exposition bit and one of the only times i laughed so hard this movie was at the beginning when tom hanks's character robbie is being driven to school by his parents and his dad's like robbie you're starting new at grant all new that means no more games you know what it did to your marks at tufts this time you're going to concentrate on your schoolwork do you hear yeah i know dad i will i see another d you don't see another check oh hall leave him alone and you've had too much to drink oh. again. Threats and accusations, that's all you know. I should have driven Robbie up myself. Oh, you should. Well, may I remind you whether you like it or not, we are still a family. I hate it when you drink. I drink to get through the day. Never referenced again. Never. She's in the movie one more time to answer the phone, and that's it. Just at the end. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so yeah, but it was just like... Where she's not drunk at the end. That's a thing that they could have explored in this movie. Yeah. But it's just like out of left field and you're drunk again. I think they had like maybe some like B stories that they just couldn't fit into the movie with the parents because yeah. uh, JJ's mother has this thing where she constantly rearranges that uh, remodels their house and JJ hates it. It got very surreal at a lot of moments and it wasn't just the D&D stuff. Yeah. Maybe we should go into the uh, the uh, synopsis because I think we could talk about some of this stuff during the synopsis as yeah. well. All right. So Mazes and Monsters focuses on four characters, Robbie, JJ, Kate, and Daniel. There are four college students who play the fantasy role-playing game Mazes and Monsters. Robbie, played by Tom Hanks in his first leading role, has a history with the game. He had to leave his old school for not going to class to play the game. Robbie and Kate strike up a romantic relationship via a very quick montage of them just doing stuff together like riding bike yeah and jogging one day jj who wears no less than 10 distinctive hats throughout this movie because you know i counted yeah absolutely i lost track near the end so there might have been one or two i missed but for no particular reason no otherwise to maybe just be somewhat unique the first scene of this movie is him coming home and he's wearing like a bavarian war helmet with like the spike coming straight up out of the top yeah he's just wearing that and then the next scene he's wearing a for no reason or no it's aviator like an aviator cap yeah but nobody talks about it the entire no, movie. Like, like it's never mentioned that he wears all of these ridiculous hats. Yeah. It, you think it would be like something with his mom or something or one of the friends would mention it, but never, never. Uh, so in this movie, Kate, Robbie, and JJ are the players. And their fourth friend, Daniel, is the maze controller, in quotes, because that's what they call him. Kind of like a DM. Yeah. For some reason, JJ seems bored and ends up getting his character killed. And so instead of restarting, he suggests a new game that he will run where they go to these caves, Pequod Caves, outside of town and play as their characters in real life. And I guess invents live action role playing or LARPing. Yeah. Because it sounds like he's like the first person to ever have this idea in the movie. Yeah. Quick side note. Mm -hmm. Every time they said Pequod Cave, there's a Pequod's Pizza in, in Chicago. Where, we, where me and Mike live. And uh, thanks for doxing us both live on air, Madison. No problem. Anyone who wants to get at us, just hit the streets of Chicago. You'll find We're there. Start sniffing. 
<laughs> you'll pick up our trail. Yeah. So in their first session here, Robbie uh, has some form of hallucination and actually sees like the monster that JJ is describing. And over the rest of the pretty bland movie leads to a complete mental breakdown where he comes to believe that he is his character, Pardue the Holy Man. And he like he has this dream where a hooded figure tells him that he has to purify his body and mind if he wants to find the great halls. And so he breaks up with Kate in a very weird scene where he says the phrase he breaks up where they're saying, I can be in love with you without making love to you. Yeah, it, it, it's this weird thing because he for some reason that's not really explained on whatsoever. Mm-hmm. He believes that he is his character break that makes him think that he's his character once they are they do the session in the cave because of his weird backstory about a brother named hall jr who ran away to live in new york that's uh, yeah. that's what he says to kate at one point is that he had an older brother named hall jr who ran away to new york uh and they've never been able to like track him down so immediately he had a dream in which a figure said to find the great hall at the two towers and i was like well shit okay new york the twin towers like he's gonna end up at the twin towers looking for his brother at some point but somehow the rest of his friends don't figure out that connection until like 15 minutes left in the movie yeah because of his weird backstory about a brother named hall jr who ran away to live in new york and a series of odd dreams robbie flees to new york as well still believing himself to be pardue he shanks a guy and almost jumps off the roof of one of the twin towers before the others find him and bring him back The movie ends with Kate, JJ, and Daniel visiting Robbie at home to find he's still deeply convinced he's Pardue. They set out into the woods for one more fun adventure, and the movie ends. Yeah, and how him and his friends kind of get through to him is by pretending to be their characters, Mm -hmm. because it's the only thing he'll listen to. So basically, any one of them just had to say, I'm the Maze Master. Or was it the Maze Master or was the the Maze Controller? Maze Controller. And Tom Hanks as Robbie as Pardue mm-hmm. <laughs> would be like, okay, whatever you say goes, basically. It's almost like hypnotism at that point. It is. Or like some kind of, he's like a double agent. So much so, I wonder if you could convince Pardue that he should play the character as Robbie oh, <laughs> and live out his life, which I don't think that's very much sequel material. But also a thing that struck me, which is weird because like Madison and I are in a and D group together and I'm only bringing that up because I'm pretty sure we've cut every other reference we've ever made to that fact out of the episodes. Wait, quick more D and D sounds. I rolled, I rolled a 16, a six, a four and an 80. Way to establish our credentials. Yeah, it struck me they play the game like twice a week, and like everybody I know that I, or I've ever heard talk about plays like once a week, maybe once every other week. But like, and they're in like college and they're very busy. Yeah, it seemed like I mean I guess in college is a time where you could find the time to play a couple times a week. But like, mm-hmm. and then JJ seems like JJ is addicted beyond just yeah. like that because at one point he's like, we haven't played in three days. Can we play like are we playing tonight or tomorrow? Looks like he was trying to get his fix. Yeah. I think maybe that's how like the the movie turns a little bit because it seems like everybody is getting too busy to play anymore, and that's mm-hmm. why he brings up this like super new way to play, which kind of gets them interested again, I guess. Or now, know. Madison, what would the street name for D and D be? Since he's addicted, if he had to buy, get his fix on the street, he's got the rolls. 
Ooh, that's good. I think that's that's the, instead of the shakes, like that like he's got the rolls, but what is he like what's gonna what's the good stuff that's gonna fix that for him? Um crits? Mean, like what's is crits? Gonna, yeah. Is that the street name for D and D? I think I think getting critted. It's like, man, come on man. I need the dice. I need them dice. Need dice. Yeah, something like that. So the real question is that we have to come up with a sequel to this D&D, anti-D&D propaganda film. As seasoned D&D players, I think we're the ones that are destined to do it. Mm-hmm. This is our quest. As the most famous internet D&D players. Yeah. I mean, anybody sits down to write a list of like, if you know, real play podcasts or just people on the internet who they know play D&D, you and I are right there at the top. Yeah. Yeah. Come at me, Matt Mercer. Anybody you'd like to call out in the D&D uh, Real Play podcast world? There are four names I know you're trying very specifically not to say. Yeah, Griffin McElroy and Brothers and Dad. I picked a fight with one dude and you picked a fight with four people, so. I, I picked a fight with the whole family. Yeah. Also, Brian Posehn, fuck you. <laughs> well, now that we've started our RPG beefs. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, there's a podcast idea. RPG beefs. People come on and talk about the NPCs or villains that they hated the most. Oh, that that's a great idea. Oh my god. <laughs> well, we'll, that, we'll, we'll TM TM idea. If this makes it into the episode, TM. prequels. I'm sorry, but podcast canceled. We're doing that one. Oh man. But no, like I said, Mike, you and I are destined to make the sequel to this movie. Yeah. So, what can we do? What, where does it go from here? You said you had an idea. And I actually came up with a, some, a little something this afternoon, but I want to hear what you... So, my idea is that um, it takes place after. It's a sequel. Mm-hmm. And we explore... I, I want to see like if those friends come back and visit Robbie again. And what the situation would be if he's still sort Pardue. of like... Pardue. Yeah, if he's still Pardue. And I kind of had an idea of this sort of like, oh, maybe it comes off as he's like cured and he's Robbie again. But then uh, he traps them into a D&D game. And so uh, like a saw LARPing, a very like he, he traps them into a saw like D&D scenario. Oh, man, that was my idea. I, I think I'm going to I'm going to pitch pitch my idea. But I think that's I think there's heat there. Yeah. Uh, my idea that I came up with kind of this afternoon was what if it's not like some kind of mental break, but like a, um, like I used the phrase sleeper agent earlier. Like mm-hmm. what if he's actually Pardue the Holy Man and it's like a Narnia type situation where he's on this side, but he's actually this person <laughs> who's been, who believes that he's Robbie. Ooh. And so, but in this one, we go into like a Narnia, like I, I think we bring back the gang, Kate, JJ, and Daniel. But it could be... And they go to his... They go to that side. I kind of like the idea of Robbie being stuck on the other side, trying to get his way back, and he interacts with the player characters mm-hmm. that are, like, on the other side as well, like Kate's character, JJ's character, and Daniel's character as well. A little epic. It seems like a high fantasy story, mm-hmm. and I don't know. Well, I mean, if we go also... And I'm not trying to... Just, if we go with yours, it is a horror movie. Yeah, it is. Which I don't know if that necessarily. I mean, I guess this is a thriller, so it probably fits more. Mm. Let's do yours. We, we, you know what? We've gone with my pitches basically all the way up until now. Yeah. Well, let's see. All right. Let's. I'll tell you what, Madison. We're doing a movie about Dungeons and Dragons. Let's roll for it. Okay. Do you, you want to roll off for it? Yeah. Cool. We we'll each roll a d twenty. Whoever gets the higher roll, we do their pitch. 
And then possibly one day as a bonus episode, we'll come back and do the other pitch. Okay. I'm going to use my purple D20, the, my first dice that I've ever had. All right. Here we go. Oh, shit. What'd you get? 14. I got a three. Yeah. All right. We're doing the Saw movie. We're doing the Saw movie. I'm fine with that. Like, legitimately, I whoever won, I was great with it. All right. So, so the first question is, at what point in the future does this take place? 10 years? Modern day? Because, I mean, think about Tom Hanks now. Yeah. I think modern day would be very funny if the, the it's like these fifty year olds yeah. that are like trapped in this D and D scenario. I think it's I think that would be fun. Let's say you want to say modern day. Oh yeah, I love I love the idea of modern day. Yeah, so let's say Robbie uh, goes through his treatment and not only becomes seemingly out of it, becomes Robbie again, and he's mm-hmm. no longer Purdue, but he becomes a like a forerunner in like the study of this sort of personality disorder or like becomes an anti rpg advocate or something (laughs) like the movie kind of wants them to be i guess i think that i I like the idea i think it works better if he's just like a a prominent scholar of the this like sort of disorder yeah i think this is going to be anti D &D enough with a murder maze you know yeah. rpg that i i don't know if we need to hit him also with anti mazes yeah. and monsters okay although it could work let's you know what let's do it because that gives him an extra little character motive of like this was your fault yeah like you, yeah you convinced me to do this i told you i didn't want to but you made me do it yeah and you have to be punished yeah so i think maybe he uh becomes a scholar in whatever this uh sort of psychological episode this very fictitious kind of sort of episode yeah, what's, what's uh what do we call that role-playing asphyxiation what about pardue syndrome pardue syndrome yeah he's like the most high profile case and now an expert they named it after him got it yeah pardue syndrome which the actual definition is someone who becomes too enthralled with their D character yeah, who... that they lose grip with reality yeah so he becomes like a forerunner in this study of these people he wins awards and he's maybe having this event where he invites his old friends kate jj and daniel back for this event and this is where he lays his trap as as, that he's uh, been plotting for all these years now are we going back to pequod caves i think it'd be interesting to do it in pequod caves because like what if they hold the event there they like rent it out or anything or something and it's like this symbolic thing is it then a bunch of people or is it just these three that are being a part of it because if it's just the three i don't know if it should be like an official like a reunion or party or something because there'd be hundreds of guests It, it would have to be something more intimate where it's like let's all get together one more time or like you know, and and have some kind of celebration or anniversary of something. You know what I mean? What if we do where he they have to get together during the day, and then as like kind of a, and as he's touching base with them, hey, um, what about for like old time's sake, uh, we uh, hang out and we like spend the night in the caves or something like that, or uh, what if what if they have the party and. They, the three of them stay after everybody else leaves and they're having like another drink at night, whatever. And he drugs them and they wake up in the caves. Oh God. Okay. Because I don't, it just seems weird to be for him of all people to go, Hey, you know what? Let's go back one more time. Like just randomly in the caves. It would show how much he is saying that he's over it though. You know, 
and he's kind of like escaped it so much that he'll he gets spent a night in this caves and he'll be fine on their part also they would probably be afraid of taking yeah. him back into the caves like even if he says he's fine yeah yeah let's go let's go your way i think it also horror wise tracks with like waking yeah. up from being drugged in a dark cave yeah if we're go if we're leaning into like the saw thing i think that that is the way we should definitely go yeah all right so it's some awards party like he's getting another award or it's mm-hmm. an anniversary of him being clean you know whatever or like yeah. getting clean i don't mean like yeah mentally he was unclean or whatever but like looking at this as like an illness or something mm-hmm. he's been healthy for so whatever some kind of awards or and we can come back and if it becomes relevant in the plot later we can nail settle in on that part but it's some kind of get together daniel jj and kate end up staying after and like having drinks with robbie and they're reminiscing and stuff and at one point it becomes pretty clear that they've been drugged they pass out they wake up in pequod caves okay we just kind of danced around a lot of angles i wanted to yeah now we can focus stuff on that in the (laughs) caves maybe he's rigged like speakers up oh yeah for sure yeah and it's basically saw at this point uh but they're in costume also now or maybe they're not in costume but their costumes are there because i don't the idea of him taking their clothes off when they're knocked out and then dressing them is kind of gross i mean he is also putting them through a murder maze yeah i I, i'm I'm fine with it's it i'm not gonna die on the hill of no he dressed them yeah they find backpacks there with D &D gear sorry mazes m&m gear (laughs) Yeah. Which is another thing that cracked me up. D&D, it's M&M. Oh, jeez. They find their outfits, they find some adventuring gear, they find a bag of M&Ms, and they find a copy of 8 Mile by M&M. Yeah. And um, some spaghetti. Why spaghetti? Because M&M. I don't don't get that reference. There's a whole rap where he talks about spaghetti. No, I don't really listen to M&M. Okay. Anyway. (laughs) I just, all I know about M&M is that it's my moment. I gotta own it and never let it go. It's in that. It's in that song. That's, I'm pretty sure it's in that song. That's literally all I know about that song. And even <laughs> then, I definitely butchered it. So, <laughs> there's um, only one other thing I know about Eminem, and it's the song where he just keeps going, "I'm a rap god." I'm beginning to feel like a rap god. Rap god. That's it. That's all I know about Eminem. What was that again? Something. Something. I'm a rap god. I'm beginning to feel like a rap god. Rap god. Oh man. I pitched an idea to a friend about a Western Hamilton style, but it's a Western movie where it's entirely rappers. And instead of like gunfights, they have rap battles mm-hmm. instead of duels. And I realized that Eminem would have to play the lawman in the town because he'd be a marshal and then he would be Marshall Mathers. God damn it. That'd be great. So TM idea. I, I had this idea like years ago. Nobody. Sorry, Freakles. You can't steal that from me either. Maybe maybe we can somehow make that the sequel to Eight Mile. <laughs> yeah, i don't know or like i don't know django unchained or the hateful eight or something yeah anyway back to yeah yeah back to part, this. i didn't part, mean to tangent that far back to pardue and gang which is the subtitle of M- mazes of monsters 2 pardue and pardue gang, and gang. Uh, actually i just come out, came up with a subtitle that yeah, i'll share me. with you at the end so i say that they wake up and they are like what's going on what's happening and they are met with pardue's voice uh, Robbie's voice and uh, your first task is to get into your adventuring gear and then that's when they dress like they are now do you remember the different types of like classes they were yes I do I made a note of this um, thank you because I did not I also 
I think that he has to begin with I am your maze controller. Like the yeah. the patter that Daniel mm-hmm. and JJ both used of like I am the maze controller. The god of this universe I have created. The absolute authority. Only I know the perilous course which you are about to take. Your fate is in my hands. Yeah. Introduction vibe. Uh, okay. So Kate was... I'm Glacia the fighter. I have great strength and courage, strong armor, many weapons, and I've won the mighty talking sword of Lothia. So she's like a, a warrior. Yeah, JJ was... I am Freelic, the frenetic of Glossomere, the cleverest of all sprites. Not so strong, with enough tricks and powers to take me far and keep me safe. But based on his description, I'm pretty sure he was like a rogue. Okay. And then uh, Daniel, when he played, it took me a while, but I caught it. He was Nimval, but I don't know the class. That's the only one. He looked he looked like he was wearing like a priest's outfit to some extent. So I don't know. He's like a paladin. I would guess he might. I was thinking more like a mage. It's like a mage. longer black robe. It just looked very religious. Okay. They don't say, and it's not important. So I think we get to decide. So we have a fighter, a um, a rogue. Yeah. And then I think a mage would be interesting mm-hmm. uh, more than a paladin or sure. some sort of like priest. Because pa- Pardue was their holy man. I am Pardue, a holy man. In reaching the ninth level, I have acquired many magic spells and charms, the greatest of which is the Graven Eye of Timur. But I also have a sword, which I only use should my magic family. So he was their cleric. Yeah. I, I want to take a second and apologize to anyone listening to this who does not play dungeons and dragons and has oh, yeah. no idea what we're talking about yeah i'm trying to hold myself back you know i could i could get real nerdy with it i mean i could too but even then like just the basics of like cleric and a rogue and mage yeah. so yeah so a mage fighter and a rogue mm-hmm. now we have to plot out different sorts of like rooms that they have to like accomplish like but but by being real people but by doing D D adjacent things in the real world right i think it might be easier if we figure out what the arc is of robbie's quest because then we can backtrack like um like we did with groundhog day 2 where we we had to figure out what the problem to be solved was and then we could go back and figure out the the steps of it maybe he because he's studied this thing for years Mm -hmm. he is trying to get them to the point that he was i was just thinking the same thing where they get so far into it that they have to literally believe that they are their characters yeah or or at least that they get so deep they might get lost yeah i I agree 100 percent. that was what i was thinking as well yeah so a lot of like riddles and not deep knowledge of their characters backstories is that yeah is that what we're going for and yeah how he gets taken down at the end i don't know maybe we'll get there i mean but the option is we it's a saw movie so one of them makes it to the end and just kills him yeah or something like that or catches him and has him arrested or something but i mean yeah i don't know if he wants them to die i don't know if he wants them to die i think he wants them to like experience the thing that he did um, by, but he does put them in very dangerous situations. I think there has to be some, because like we, we said Saw at the beginning, and I'm fine kind of branching away from that. Yeah, I think this would be a very boring like horror movie if it's just people maybe accidentally, or maybe starting <laughs> to believe they're their D&D characters yeah, in a cave. Yeah. Like I think there has to be a, like danger, physical oh, yeah. danger as well. 
the heightening of the adrenaline of like we're in danger and the only way i'm going to get through this is if i can pull this out of you know my memory about galatia's you know mother's maiden name or shit like that will probably would in theory help tune their minds to what he's trying to do like yeah i think uh i i have one puzzle uh, idea already Mm -hmm. which combines the uh D adjacent with the real world stuff okay um and it's kind of wild so let's say he tells them to head off in a direction and they'll meet their first task mm-hmm. and their task is to get up on a ledge to make it into the next area mm-hmm. and they need a rope because uh, it's too high or something like that and or they need some sort of way to climb up and that they must defeat um, hideous monsters, mm-hmm. also known as gnolls. Uh, and he actually has like put a bunch of like hyenas or like wolves in the cave, and they have to somehow get to like the chest across the room and pass mm-hmm. them without like being like attacked or eaten. I want to thank you personally, Madison, for bringing to everyone's attention the fact that there are monsters in the D and D universe called gnolls. Oh, no problem. Spelled G-N-O-L-L-S. And yeah. I just want everyone to know that I will burn this podcast to the ground if that people start <laughs> referencing me in that way. Yeah. <laughs> so just thank you, Madison, from the bottom of my heart for that good, personal, solid favor you just did me. Hey, Knowles are some of my, um, are some of, like, not the coolest characters because they're like raiders and stuff in the D&D universe, but... Um, I think they're a cool idea because they're sort of like these hyena lizard folk like yeah. hybrid things. Well, I'll tell you what, Madison. When they come out with like, with a race called Madisons or Joneses that are these gross hyena type people, and you have to worry about people calling them Madison Joneses instead of oh yeah, we got attacked by a bunch of Mike Knowles. Then we'll talk about how cool they are and how that makes it so much better. I'll look forward to the day. Yeah. Anyway, so do you like that idea? Like the, the hyena? Yeah, conceptually, and, uh, yeah. On a personal level, I'm still kind of pissed <laughs> at you, but yeah. <laughs> That's a fine idea. Yeah. How does so, that, how do we spin that though in the, I, I think that's just like the starter course. Yeah. To, like, to get their adrenaline pumping in the. Yeah. So we get the fun thing to like look at their classes and see what, depending on like what they have on them, what they could do to. <laughs> Does, so for a mage, does he just have a gun? Like, is that? I have no idea. I think he has crystals, and it seems like they're useless. Because to Pardu Robbie, that he gave him crystals and stuff to like hone his magic, but there are just like okay. So that's this is I guess a thing that we need to decide: is it Robbie or is it Pardu? I thought we were talking about Robbie was trying to punish them. Maybe it's like too blended, and it's like kind of both. Okay, uh, I I think. Or maybe it is Robbie, because I don't think Pardue would necessarily be this eloquent, but... Or vindictive, necessarily. Robbie is clearly still not escaped the game. Yeah, he's not completely Robbie, let's say. Yeah. So yeah. I think maybe, like, um, Daniel, Nimval the Mage, has, like, flares and stuff that he could... Like, mm-hmm. some things that would be like, oh, I cast light or whatever, like, real-world things that can achieve some of the... Yeah. I think that's a good idea. Maybe he has fireworks or something like Roman candles and he like fires it at them. It's like, I cast fireball and it like. And then there's, oh, because they talk about in the game, they talk about how Robbie doesn't have enough points mm-hmm. to cast a spell to bring JJ's character back. And so yeah. like there's punishments if 
they break the rules. Like if they're in a fight and uh, Nimval Daniel tries to use magic, but he doesn't have enough points. There's some kind of like, yeah, I don't know. There's a way that like they get hurt for breaking yeah. the rules. Maybe he has like a, like he has definitely rigged this cave up with traps and stuff. Yeah. And oh yeah. I was saying like bear traps and trip wires and all that shit as well. Like, a, yeah. Yeah, maybe he tries to like light the candle or something, or light the Roman candle, mm-hmm. and then a bucket of water just like falls on him or something. <laughs> it's like, uh, nope, nope, you don't have enough spell slots right now, or you have enough points to do that currently. You have to earn them. So they kill the hyenas. I don't know if kill that may scare the hyenas. Sure. Okay, they scare off the hyenas. We're not, we're not going to touch how Robbie got all these hyenas discreetly into a cave system. He's a very su- he's a very successful scholar with uh, scholar money. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say, and as we know, scholars are the most well paid <laughs> yeah. people. So then they find a ladder or a rope or like that's they had to just get rid of the hyenas to be able to get to this ladder or rope yeah, I think to... it was like maybe in their like den or something. Okay, like or something like that, and they get it. Maybe they also find a map. I think the next room's got to have like a lot of traps, trip wires, and this kind of shit, and that's where JJ. Freelick, the rogue, has okay. to like start to get into his character's head because you know he's the rogue. He dismantles the traps. And uh, what are some traps? Like a uh, trip wire attached to grenades, like a like a tiger pit. Okay, more hyenas. Just yeah. in a pit. <laughs> he's got like a lot of hyenas. Basically, it's just hyenas <laughs> all the way down. Yeah, or it could be something else. Maybe he has a kimono dragon. Sure. Or... Um, there's the holes in the wall that shoot like poison darts. Yeah, there are treasure chests with the like the poison needle in the lock. Where if you try to pick the lock, it shoots out and stabs you. Got it. Okay. Which I think that could work. I think there should be a treasure. That's how like JJ gets takes a hit from the poison needle. Um. So JJ takes a hit from the poison needle, and he's been successful in disarming the trap somehow. Yeah. In in this scenario, but on the last one, which was maybe to get a key to a door. I don't know. Like, yeah. I mean, there's the chest. And so there's probably the key to the door or the, some tidbit that will help them carry on. It's in the chest along with some more items to help. What, it, what if uh, he says it's a scroll of, I don't want to say explosion. What's an, like what's a fantasy term for explosion? Destruction. Yeah. A scroll of destruction. And it's like a thing of TNT. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. And they have to block out. Maybe the next puzzle is they have to blow up one of the walls and they have to choose which one to do. And there's a riddle in that as well. Maybe that's where we get into like one of their characters' backstories. And yeah. it's a, uh, what's a cape? Glacia. Glacia. It's her uh, god symbol. Um, and that, and then she has to, then she has to uh, remember back like 30 years or something to like, I don't remember what that little, the, the whole like little squiggly line thing was. That's good. Yeah. But I think, I still think JJ doesn't catch the needle, like the poison needle or something, and he gets jabbed. Yeah. So he's he starts getting kind of sick, and maybe that's his start into sort of like. Yeah. And also, I think uh, you could have at some point, there's like an antidote or something mm-hmm. at some point. Like I, I'm okay killing most of the characters off if we end up doing it. Like I'm not. <laughs> I'm just, I don't know, I'm thinking about, like, other characters having to, like, make tough decisions about, like, well, I have, we have this antidote, but do we give it to JJ or do we hold on to it because we might come up on something else? Yeah. So, my thought is with that, maybe there are, like, two sticks of dynamite mm-hmm. and they, like, separate it. And that's the answer to the puzzle because Galatia 
it doesn't make sense for her to blow up the wall with her her god symbol on it because mm-hmm. it's her god symbol. So she blows up the other two. One of the doors leads to the next puzzle. The other one leads to a different puzzle that has the antidote for JJ. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I like that. So maybe they have to split up. And then this is a thing where they have to dis- make character decisions like, Glacier wouldn't go for the the antidote. Like, I think that's actually a trap. I think there's more traps in there because we would I would never do that. And I don't know, Nimval's like, but it, I mean, like, it's JJ. Like, we're just gonna let JJ die. And she's saying, like, no, like, Glacier would never go for the antidote. She'd keep going for, like, treasure and glory. Yeah. And he knows that. And that's the point. Yeah. So do you think Kate goes off to the next puzzle and then Daniel and JJ go off to the antidote side? Or do you think they don't even go for the antidote? That's what I, I'm not sure. Because I think I think Daniel might go for the antidote, depending on yeah. his like. Yeah, I mean, they didn't really dig too deeply into any of the backstories. No, but we can like make it up. I think we kill Daniel here. I think Daniel is you're being ridiculous. Like we're, we have to save JJ. We're not these characters. We have like we're, we're going for the antidote. And Kate's the one who's kind of picked up. No, that's not what this is about. We're here because we're here to play our characters, and that's what he wants, and that's what like the setup is. If we like deviate and do this, sh- like I'm pretty sure that room's just a trap. Like I don't even think there's an antidote in there. Yeah. And then so Daniel goes for it, and it's like I don't know, huge. It's a big tiger pit or something with spikes. Like you know what and I mean? They just like, kill him off. Yeah. I'm, or whatever. Like of all the characters, Daniel's about the least interesting. Yeah. JJ at least had his hats. Yeah. But Daniel, like his whole character in the first movie is that he was like a video game programmer. Yeah. And maybe he's like, he has the whole game master type mentality. And maybe he's trying to assert like his like, well, I wouldn't design it this way. That's a good idea. So maybe that's where they differ and they go off in different directions. And I think JJ would probably go with Kate. JJ probably decides to go to Kate because he doesn't seem like the kind of character that would be like yeah save me or anything like that yeah i think that he's also picked up that like there's a bigger game at work here Mm -hmm. and that they need to play along and i think that maybe they like find an antidote in the next room like that was a trick like they do end up finding the antidote in that next room and daniel just gets taken off the board yeah because he goes into this room for the antidote and it's a huge trap maybe he'll come back later where they have to save him or something like that yeah i think what if he goes into the other door and then through some kind of controlled explosion or whatever there's a cave-in and he can't get out yeah and we assume that he's basically dead or they're like we'll come back for you when we get out of here yeah we'll bring the police or whatever and we'll get you out just hold on or they just don't know they just don't know they're like well we only have one way to go then yeah all right so they carry on to the next room this would have to be something for okay that's right that's right because we already feel like i mean i guess she already fought the hyenas to some yeah. extent, or tried to. Or I thought I thought uh, they scared him away with the fire. That's or... right. Yeah, yeah. It, six so of one, was... I think a little bit of A, a little bit of yeah. B. Yeah. yeah. She tried to fight him, and then yeah. they scared him away with the fire. Maybe this is the next test, like test their teamwork or something. Like or that. it's like a, a puzzle that they have to remember some mission that they went on in the first movie mm-hmm. during like the montage of them playing the game. Do you remember any of the things? No, they never did? said. There was uh there was one with like a jeweled pit. That's where Freelick died. Yeah, that's where he like he it, jumped he, into a pit that had a bunch of jewels at the bottom. And there were all these spikes that he didn't see, and he was like impaled. Yeah. So let's reuse that. Let's bring that back. Okay. Um, so, 
maybe there's a few pits. There's a scene in Saw 2 where they have to get a key, and it's in a big pit full of hypodermic needles. Got it. What if we do something similar, and it's like jagged crystal things? Like they have to. It's it's a pit that is about human size, and somebody has to crawl down it. Okay. But it's the the points are sticking out far enough that they're going to get cut up. Not dead, but just pretty cut up. Yeah. What's that fantasy plant in um, the Adventure Zone arc with petals to the metal at the end that, like, poisons slime? Oh, yeah, whatever. It's, I don't know. Just make know, up let's, a name. Let's not, let's not follow that Gl- thread. Gloom Shade. Yeah. Maybe they're like, oh, that's Razor Vine. Something like that. Sure. That's all along the path. And because Kate's character is a fighter and they're supposed to be really tough, they're supposed to be very resistant to, like, stuff like that. But Kate's a human, and she crawls down and gets what's down there. You think? Uh, like maybe an antidote. Maybe an antidote. Yeah, okay. for for JJ. Oh, okay. We talked about how it's they need to remember this mission because he's trying to get jog them into being their characters. There's like five pits, like you said. There's multiple pits. They each have something different in it, and they have to go to the one with the jewels. Yeah. Because of this previous history. Yeah. So there's multiple pits, but. And the way we, we swing the character interaction, them trying to, like, having to remember all this stuff is they have to remember that mission where Free, like, died. Yeah. Which is symbolic because it's, like... It's going to save him. Yeah, it's going to save him. Yeah. So maybe that pit has the jewels and everything mm-hmm. in it. One of them has the razor vines. The other one has just maybe some sort of slime of some mm-hmm. sort. Or, like, sure. maybe, it's, maybe it looks like jello or something. Which... Maybe that pit, maybe that pit is endless, and it's like just on the surface filled with jello or something. I was gonna say there's just <laughs> yeah. an endless pit filled with jello. Yeah, I mean, if you jump down into jello into an endless yeah. pit, then you would just fall forever. Sure. Yeah, I like that. So yeah, she, she has to crawl down this jeweled pit with like jeweled spikes sticking out everywhere, and just gets cut up. Or maybe maybe JJ has to because he jumped in originally. And then in this case, for his plan to start working. JJ starts like kicking the sharp parts, like breaking them off. Like he learned yeah. from the previous time. Don't just jump into these pits. Yeah. So he breaks his way down and it's fine. He doesn't actually get cut up, but he's starting to think like free, like, like, Oh yeah, I remember last time I jumped into one of these pits, etc. And maybe after that situation, they level up, they get enough points yeah, that's or good. something like that. Mm-hmm. And he rewards them by, Maybe uh, Kate gets a new armor and it's like a bulletproof vest or something like that. Or Yeah, or it's some form of like protection, like armor. Yeah, and JJ receives some like knives or something, mm-hmm. like some like daggers. <laughs> I realized too late that we, we came up with a plot that involves them digging deep into their characters and we have no fucking idea what their characters are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we have to. I mean, we're just playing off the classes, I guess. Yeah. I mean, the movie didn't. I mean, we can create anything about their characters. No, know, I know. The movie never touched on like what their actual characters' backstories are. Okay, so okay. let's let's ramp up the character thing because I feel like it's kind of been just a dungeon yeah. crawl where with vague. Now that we're in it and they're starting to do stuff, let's yeah, like something major has to happen with that would push them farther into um what if it could get very dark in this next part so maybe Mm -hmm. maybe it's a gauntlet of some sort and kate is um tasked with fighting off the um 
the champion and the champion is someone that mm. he has captured and okay. that person is <sighs> what if at the beginning in the party it's an awards this is why i i i wanted to leave the first part mm-hmm. blank like what they were there to celebrate because i knew it would come back it's he's getting an award for his work in this field and he references one of his patients that couldn't be there like he like like he wrote like a book about this patient and how he helped them but they couldn't oh be there God. that night and he made it a thing and it's that patient he didn't help them the patient still thinks they're this player this character who who was like a barbarian exactly like, and they're they're his champion they're his champion yeah so it's a very it's a very subtle thing at the beginning of like oh you know i wish margaret could have been here tonight you know to see all of the accolades for this book you know she did a lot of hard work she she's the one who really went through this tough journey to get me here etc like i'm just glad i could help her blah, blah blah and it turns out margaret still thinks she's this barbarian warrior she's his champion yeah he encouraged her mm-hmm. he like yeah okay so kate and margaret have to duke it out and kate's like i think kate has a knife at this point like yeah i mean if she's a fighter then she probably has some sort of like a sword and shield mm-hmm. and margaret has like a huge battle axe <laughs> like it's like a legit like D D. like it looks like some sort of replica D sure. battle axe and is like super decked out so they have to fight and i think at some point jj tells her like you just have to go on instinct on this yeah. like just like be glacia Glacier went back down from this. And oh man, what if what if Robbie had been conditioning Margaret the whole time, like in a specific fighting style, one that he knew Glacia would be able to defeat? Yeah. And so yeah. Robbie's like, You have to just get in her head, you have to do this, or she's gonna kill you. Like ob- and she defeats Margaret. I don't know, does she kill her? I think that maybe she greatly injures her or maybe she does kill her maybe like i said this could get dark in this moment right here i think this is the moment for kate where she like almost she's about to like she's yeah. very deep into character at this point and almost does it i think she definitely hurts her pretty bad oh yeah she like maybe slices her leg and arm and is about to do like the coup de gras and then like she gets like super into it and she does lose herself a little bit and then she doesn't kill her what if um the champion's armored up like you can't tell who it is and then when kate like knocks her down is about to kill her the helmet comes off and we see it's the woman from like the cover of the book yeah and so that's when she like stops like she almost does it until she realizes like what's actually going on with this person and like what dane or robbie has done yeah and that's when she pulls back and is like realizes that she actually almost gave him exactly like she almost went too far and fell Mm -hmm. into character yeah so the next part i think maybe they have to go and save daniel at this point or maybe not maybe like they just go to the next area i think it's robbie's den like his boss lair yeah at this point because they just defeated his champion yeah and then there can be a thing there of he's gonna like kill daniel he's gonna do something to get that daniel will die Mm -hmm. if they don't kill him maybe it's some sort of game or something maybe daniel's hanging over a pit which I think of like D and D scenarios that I've like just seen before or I've played out. Yeah, I don't know. I've played D and D, but I never ended up in dungeons where there's that kind of scenario. What about Daniel? I mean, I think Daniel could just still be trapped in that cave, but there's like a camera set up in there, mm-hmm. and Robbie's just gonna like fill in the room with rock and like rubble, and they have to. Okay, so 
Robbie's got like a dead man switch. Like he's pushed the button down. It's not a dead man switch, but he's got like a remote and he's got the button pushed down. So it's starting to fill the room. Got it. And the only way that it stops is if they kill, like his thumb comes off the button. So they basically would have to kill him. Yeah. Okay. So I like this whole like thing that's happening in the cave with like Robbie and it's sort of like his descent into the void. So mm-hmm. maybe that, yeah, that that detonator, if he lets his thumb off of it, it explodes the cavern and maybe it won't kill everybody. Sure. But they'll be trapped. They'll be trapped forever to get lost. All right, that's good. I like that. Like lost in caverns of his creation. Sure. Yeah. There's nothing to do with Daniel then at this point, really. He's just still trapped in that room. He's still trapped in that room, I think. But he would still be like captured or he would still be trapped with. Right. Him, I just so. meant he we trapped him in that room and that was pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. Dan- that's a ser- that's a movie wrap for Daniel. Yeah. Okay. So I think that Kate obviously would like rush him. And I think that the way that they get him is that jj does some sneaking around mm-hmm. and gets the remote from him or something yeah or or hot wires it or, or you know stops the detonator thing yeah maybe what do rogues have daggers thieves tools attitudes attitudes a thieves tude i'm just thinking of something that he could like clamp down the the detonator with maybe they chop his hand off <laughs> And it's still holding the thing, but that's not how anything works. Well, I mean, in Predator, they chopped a dude's arm off and he just kept firing a machine gun and it's just <laughs> spinning his arm through the air. Um, hmm. All right, let's just let's just make something up. We're, we're stalling ourselves out here. We are. I think Robbie sneaks around and rewires something like the detonator or something while or sorry, JJ sneaks around and rewires it while kate keeps him busy maybe she fakes she fakes being too deep into her character yeah and maybe because they had like a thing or something in the first movie mm-hmm. but their characters didn't have a thing i guess so no but i mean we're still talking robbie's still yeah. i think mostly robbie but maybe she wants to reactivate pardue though because pardue oh, would never do any of this stuff that's beautiful they yeah. turn his game against him. Okay. Yeah. Yes. 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 So she's like, Pardue would never do anything like this, and he's like, Pardue was was weak. He couldn't even uh, ascend to the great hall or something without being swayed by uh, lesser minds such as yours. And and she's like, Pardue had morals, and Pardue knew uh, what was better, and was that the quest will go on and what you're doing right now was going to end the quest or something like that. Yeah, I mean, we could do a reverse reverse of the like, Robbie, I know you're in there somewhere. She could be like appealing to part like part two. I know you're in there. Like, look at what he's doing. This isn't holy or just. Yeah, yeah. And she's trying to bring out the fictional part of him instead of the real person inside. Like, I know you can hear me. Keep fighting. Yeah, and yeah, because it's brought up in the... um, in the first movie that Pardue never hurts anybody unless he absolutely has to. This is me pulling into uh, Stranger Things a little yeah. bit with uh, the Mind Flayer, uh-huh. who is like trying to affect people's minds and stuff like that. So maybe like maybe she's trying to convince Pardue that he's been affected by this monster who's warping his reality mm-hmm. and is causing him to do these things. What if we tie it back to the first one and... Kate's trying to reason with him and he just says something like, and she, she says something about that monster is behind him. Like hey, it's right behind you. Pardue turn around. He's like, I'm not Pardue. I am the maze controller. And then JJ's like, no, you're no, 
I am the maze controller, and he starts like his in that because we talked about it as like an activation phrase. So what if yeah. JJ launching into the I am the blah 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 and calling him Pardue and stuff is almost like a hypnotism. Okay, that, that that'd to be bring good. him back to bring Pardue back. Yeah, and she can use the mind flare as an excuse of why he did all this stuff, like to yeah something like mm-hmm. that to like just like during that monologue where she's trying to distract him. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. And no, I, that would add. I like that. And then also when Pardue reemerges. And he's like, what have I done? Like, what am I doing here? She's like, um, don't, it was a mind flare. He, he yeah. overcame your senses. And and then she's like, but try to re- recollect Pardue. How do we get out of here? How do we get to Daniel? How do we, like, yeah. and that's how they get out. Nimval is trapped in a dire situation. We have to rescue him. Try to remember. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so they reactivate Pardue, who still has Robbie's memories. Mm-hmm. And they go and save Daniel. They also save Margaret, I would assume. No, um, I, I think they probably come yeah. back for her, but she might already be. She might be dead. She might have escaped. So when we get to the third yeah. movie, maybe maybe when they left the gauntlet, she hobbled out of the mm-hmm. room outside. Margaret and monsters will be the third one. Margaret and monsters. Yeah. So does Rob, Robbie? I assume so, goes to some kind of get some help. Yeah, maybe similar, like some sort of like counseling. Mm-hmm. Or something like that, or it's found out, and I bet, I bet this plan wasn't like eloquently put together, even though it seems kind of yeah. like it is. But I bet there's plenty of evidence all around his office, or something. Oh yeah, like well, I mean, that. his fingerprints would be everywhere in the cave. Yeah, there's a there's an invoice for fifty hyenas. <laughs> <laughs> he got a yeah. There's a he gets a call from a hyenas R us about yeah. his asking him to do a quick survey about it the customer service and that's actually the cops are waiting outside of the cave afterwards because they just they just uh intercepted that invoice they're like something's going on well yeah there's also explosions yeah also explosions there's also like in because of the explosions all the hyenas are going into the town they're like what's fucking happening right now (laughs) like there's hyenas invading this small uh are they in like california or something it doesn't really matter california town yeah but yeah, I think we did it. All right, so what do we call it? How about Mazes and Monsters 2, colon, Pardue, Part 2? Now, could we call it Mazes and Monsters, Pardue? Like D E U X. Yeah, maybe that's it. I, I mean, I that's, that's... that's a good pun. Or Part Do also works. Like, I don't know. We can Pardue. No, I think Mazes and Monsters, colon, Pardue. There it is. Got Nailed it. it. There it is. <laughs> Nailed it. All right. Somehow we did, we did it. it. And I'm, you know, I'm pretty. It was a little, little sketchier than some of our previous endeavors. But to be fair, this wasn't a very great I think great we did we... pretty good for what we had. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. 100%. All right. I think that's credits on another episode. Madison Jones, tell the people where they can find us. People can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and everywhere podcasts are found. By searching the equalizers. Just uh, wherever you go outside to get a big old lung full of podcasts, you can uh, find us there. Whatever guild you study your podcast scrolls at to gain that experience points to level up and get that fifth level ice spell. Whatever podcast dice you're rolling, we're always a critical hit. Damn. <laughs> You can get in contact with us also on Facebook and Twitter at The Equalizers. You can email us at equalizers at gmail.com. 
You can find us on Instagram at the underscore equalizers. And as always, that's spelled E-Q-U-E-L-I-Z-E-R-S, as in sequel. It'd be great if you would find us on one of those apps we mentioned. Give us a good rating and a review. I trust you and I believe in you. So, for the equalizers. I'm Madison Jones. I'm Mike Knoll. To be continued. Sooner or later, the dice land on the table. You know that's what fables are made.